we as members of the American experiment need to probably start paying attention to like other countries in the past that thought that infinite growth was possible. It doesn't matter if you're doing it to create incentives, you do create incentives whenever you put a tax on something. I think we would all love for the government to do exactly what it said it was going to do at the time it made the deal with me. It doesn't make sense on paper, but it is on paper now, so we're <laughs> so we're doing it. Philosophers. Philosophers. All right, David. I know what we're talking about this week because we we already decided what we're going to talk about this week. Yes, and I'm already mad about it. So what are we going to talk about this week? We have a we have a doozy this week. We're going to talk about social contracts. And how now, I didn't sign one. <laughs> I didn't sign one, but we're and we'll. Well, well, we might get around to social contracts that I didn't sign, but I think the more interesting topic is social contracts that I did sign, actually. <laughs> so that's the title. Social contracts, part one, the ones I actually did sign. <laughs> Great. Okay. So I'll, I'll give some background uh, of, of, of what, what got me thinking about this. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, okay. Americans will know about the 401k retirement savings plan. Um, I'm not going to remember what section of what code 401k is in, and that doesn't really matter. You can go look it up if you want to know. The point is, it is a retirement savings account that usually your employer will match some of your contributions to. Um, but more importantly, it is what is referred to as a tax-deferred uh, retirement account. For the record, um, it's in the name. It's defined in subsection 401k. Yeah, I knew that, but I don't yeah. know what I don't know what code it's part of. Right? Is it the CFR or probably not the CFR? Oh, it's just in uh, it's the IRS code. Yeah. Okay. The tax code. The IR code. The IRC. Internal Revenue Code. Yeah. Okay. So that was the answer. Yeah, I knew it was. 401 subsection K. Yeah, that's obviously where the name comes from. Yeah. But you say obviously. It was obvious to me based on the way it was written, 401 in parentheses K. That's definitely how you would write something like that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's a tax-deferred individual retirement account, or IRA. And the way those work for, again, those who may not know, who may not be up on their on their finance uh, literacy, um, an IRA, this is a traditional type IRA I'm talking about, um, is one where instead of paying regular income tax, you put money into this account before it is taxed. And then come retirement time, when you pull money out, you treat your distributions from that account as income. And then you pay taxes yeah. um, for whatever tax bracket you fall in whenever you're pulling it out. Based on how so much you in, take out. Yeah. In principle, right, you should, the, the idea is that you probably won't need as much money to live on when you're retired because maybe you already own a house so you don't have to pay a regular living expense for something like that or you you know you downsize to to because you know you're not making money so you need to make your money last longer so you're going to live on less and that would put you into a lower tax bracket because you're making less money um and so maybe you'll you'll save in the long run by doing that by paying your taxes later yeah when when this by the way this came about in 19 uh, in like 1974 mm -hmm. Um, uh, well, actually, no, um, it, it came about in 1978, but that's not the point in the seventies when this was created, 
the normal way of retiring was your expenses are actually what goes down to make it so that you can live on less, not that you just had enough saved up to pay yourself what you were making when you retired, right? Right. That was way more common. And, you know, I actually had a really interesting conversation with someone about this today because that is becoming less common. Mm -hmm. It is actually far less common these days for your expenses to actually tail off as you age. They actually stay steady um, due to the number of people renting homes or renting places to live and not actually owning a vehicle. You know, these they maintain a regular expense throughout their entire adult life up until the end. Right. So anyway, this is not a financial podcast. We're not here to talk about whether it's a good idea for you to have a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or any IRA at all. Yeah, we don't give financial advice. Um, right. But the point is setting the stage for what is a 401k, what is a traditional IRA that, that these things fall into. Yep. So the thing that got me thinking about this was some economist who I won't name because I don't remember his name and I don't care to look him up. But he is an idiot. Uh, but he is a fool. Um, basically suggested that since the... Uh, current federal tax budget is being strained. One place that we could uh, recover revenue, because that's how you look at things when you're the government, um, would be to basically put a cap on uh, how how much untaxed income could go into such an account, right? So say, if you save, I I think one of the figures he gave was half a million dollars, um, which, by the way, if you run the numbers, is not even close to enough to retire on. so, but basically he suggests, yeah, if you, ha- if you, when any money that you put into your 401k or traditional IRA over, um, $500,000 will be taxed normally. You don't, you don't get any of the tax deference that you would, you would normally get from, from such an account. Um, and he, he gave some, some justifications as to why, but again, this is not a finance show. This is not an e- economics show. Um, so the real thing is the the philosophy of, okay, a 401k plan, this is defined in the uh, in the tax code by the government. It is literally a social contract. Yes. If you open a 401k account, you are, you are signing the social contract with the government and saying, we're going to play this game where I put money in this account and don't pay taxes today, but I'll pay them later when I take money out of the account. Right. You're making that deal with the IRS when you make that account. Yep. And this economist is suggesting that the IRS go back on their side of the deal and tax you anyway. Yep. So social contracts, what do we, what do we think about this? Well, let's, I think we should start in general and then get specific. Cause I yes. think, you know, but in a social contract going off of the definition is just an implicit agreement among members of a society to cooperate for social benefit. Uh, for example, by sacrificing some individual freedom for state protection, and then there's a lot of theories that there's actually a lot of philosophers that talk about social contracts, especially those that are very influential in the modern West, like mm-hmm. Thomas Hobbes, John Locke and Rousseau, like they all had conversations about it, which it makes sense at the time. People were getting more agency around that time, more so than they'd ever had priorly. Well, this, these are also people living around the time where we're finally deciding that, you know what, power comes from the people and uh not tyrants and god yeah right exactly like yeah that and the reason that we should all get along with one another and do these things do the government things the way that we do them is because of social contracts rather than because the king said so right or that it's always been that way and there's always been a social contract but we're just now realizing it and calling it out like that's kind of maybe top like Hobbes was like one of the first ones to talk about it Mm -hmm. 
um, because the work of Locke and Rousseau comes after Hobbes. And anyway, not the point. Um, point because this is like 16th to 18th century stuff. This is hundreds of years, you know, in mm. time of discussing this. But the point is, is that um, these implicit agreements, well, are are like any other agreement. Agreements need to be sometimes immune to changing circumstances and sometimes malleable to changing circumstances. It's like, um, you know, it's even if you take it down to all the way to the most simplest, which is if you make a promise to somebody, well, what are you really saying? It's that, it's that regardless of some circumstance, I will do X, you know, I promise you that I will do this. Or you may attach a condition and say, if this happens, I will do this. I promise. And when you say, I promise, you mean explicitly, regardless of anything else. And that's valuable because that sets a method of operation and cooperation between two people where we don't need to constantly be in contact to understand what the other person would do. For example, if I told you, if you ever uh, come across something I'm looking for, I promise I will pay this much for it, period, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now in your daily life, you can be, if you come across I that can, thing. I can shop on your behalf. Mm-hmm. If I find one of the things on your list that you told me once upon a time that you want, oh, Joe wants this. I'm going to buy this um, even either at the cost because you're a good friend or for less and maybe make a buck on it. It doesn't matter, but you're buying it. But I'm buying it with... Uh, on, on the faith that you're going to buy it from me. Yeah. For the price I previously stated. Right. And then if you come to me with yeah, it and say, yeah, here's you the gave thing. me a budget so that if I find one that's egregiously overpriced, then I'm not going to do that because I know you're not going to pay that. Correct. But if you do buy it and then you come to me and say, hey, Joe, here's a thing. I'll take the money now, please. And I go, mm, mm, never mind. Never. I changed my mind. I don't actually want that. Now I'm stuck with the thing. I'm holding the bag. Yeah. Exactly. And I think a very similar topic that we may not go too much into just yet related to social contracts is the other fu- the the other form of social credit which is how much stock do you put in the contracts that are made for example and that in that example if i renege on that and say hmm never mind well next time i tell you dude i'm looking for something like this man i swear i would i promise i would pay this much for it if i could find it you would probably be well within your right well, you, you've always been in your right to deny the contract and say, right, I'm just not going to. I'm just not going to. But, unlike, but now I have a particular reason not to. Yes, exactly. I don't believe you that you're going to because you uh, you changed your mind last time. Yeah, you broke oh. your promise. Right. And uh, that trust is very, very important amongst people, but also between the people in the form of the government and the people the people right you know um so in this particular case it's very interesting because if this were to go the way that this economist would like it to because they don't they're not thinking about what the whole point of all of this is because the 401k tax code did not come about as a way to make money for the government it actually came about as a way to give more to the people in the way of saying hey let's provide a well, way not, to not, not just a way to give more to the people but a way to incentivize people to save for their own retirement because even back in the 70s we figured out that social security wasn't going to be enough i don't even know that this could be a topic in and of itself what are taxes for because mm-hmm. i hate the mentality of we should use taxes for and if you don't say 
generating revenue to run the government. Shut up. Like, no, it is there for that purpose. It, it, I hate the mentality of using taxes as a way to either encourage certain behaviors and discourage other behaviors. Mm-hmm. I really hate that. If you really, because unlike anywhere else in our legal system, our legal system does not make moral claims. Like nowhere in the law will you find murder bad. Right. Stealing bad. No. No, it's just unlawful. And here's what we're going to do to you if you do it. It's a contract. Yeah. It's if you kill, this yeah, is what the law gonna... is the big social contract. Yeah. Yeah. If And most of them are even written as such. If a person who commits murder will be found guilty of murder... Like they all mm-hmm. start something like that. And it's like, what is that clause for it? Because it's immediately saying it doesn't actually matter if you murdered someone or not. Anyone who's found guilty of doing it did it, period. Right. That's what we're setting out as like the preamble to the contract. And now that we've all agreed that you are guilty of this, whether you did it or not, by the way, here's what we can do to you. Here's what we can do to you. And it makes no claim. And and why, why not do it that way? Right? Like I... I don't like this. I don't like the government trying to infringe and say how people should live their lives. I get why it does it. I get why we do that because, well, ideally, we don't want to live in a society of homeless elderly people. Right. I I can agree that we do not want that. Um, I do not want that. Um, and we've decided that it's important enough that we're going to do certain things to reduce that from happening right um but still i don't i I hate the duality of talking about taxes where people on the one hand will say it's it it sets up a plenty of mott and baileys for arguments of people Mm -hmm. saying how well we need like this guy well we need to raise money because we need the government to keep functioning to provide all its valuable services and looking at it purely through that lens screw you and your retirement we need money that's always that's the more important thing not you but when they come around to make promises for elections oh how can we help out you well here's a way Mm -hmm. we can do that by getting off your neck a little bit um and provide you this incentive to do things that we really want you to do that we're not going to see we could just command you to do it we could actually make it illegal for you not to have a retirement plan and we did that we called it social security exactly <clears throat> so i mm, i don't like that i i already don't like it it really rubs me the wrong way because it's just they're both social contracts but one's at least honest and direct about what's going on and the other intertwines itself with revenue which I don't even fault the government for doing it because any organism, be it a conglomerated one of people or a single organism is always going to look out for itself first. Mm-hmm. So why are we talking about any of this in the, within the confines of how the government allows itself, like funds itself? It just, it, to me, it just seems like it's just setting up this kind of situation and, I, and it really bothers me. Also, attaching a and making moral claims like for example in a lot of states in the u.s sin s-i-n taxes are Mm -hmm. a thing well that's a moral claim by just naming it that yeah drinking alcohol bad smoking cigarettes we're just gonna put an extra tax on on tobacco because we decided it's bad right even if the real reason is because the illnesses caused by this unfairly burdened this other thing we set up that didn't work but really it's that we don't like smoking yeah 
well, that's how we're going to sell it. We're going to, we're going to get the busybodies out there together and get them to vote for this thing. But the real reason is that we're going to raise revenue on it and we need that revenue to cover the other failing, you know, entitlement systems we set up with that are being overburdened by people who are now getting cancer from getting lung cancer from smoking. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's a, that's a brief enough, I guess, tangent. It wasn't that brief, but like, Ooh, it gets me going (laughs) like taxes. It, it, if taxes. I'm, I'm not going to agree to taxes ever, but I miss. But if you're going to do it, at least be honest. This is so the government can pay its bills. Period. Well, yeah, that should be all that it's for. And any decisions about whether or not we tax more or tax less on any whatever should literally only consider whether they need the money or not. Period. And I think the debate should firmly. Well, stay let's there. talk about that. Yeah, there's because there, there's a discussion to be had. Okay, fine, but. This any decision about the tax code is going to have an impact on the economy because it it doesn't matter if you're doing it to create incentives, you do create incentives whenever yeah. you put a tax on something. So I mean I think there's an argument made that we should we should pay close attention to what we're taxing, otherwise you're going you're you're begging for unintended consequences. I, I'm not saying that you can't pay attention to it, but the primary thing should always be do we need more money or not? If so, then you have the discussion about where you're going to raise taxes. If do we need less money? If so, now have the discussion about where you're going to cut taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that unfairly looking through and creating these special allotments in the tax code for certain specific things where we can all argue over our favorite interest or not, or whichever lobbyist paid this particular person more or less to Mm. create tax breaks for whomever which is how it always happens because the tax code is literally a thousand pages well not literally figuratively a thousand pages the first more than that i don't even know the first of which is this is how you're going to get taxed and then the one one out of the thousand is this is the tax rate the other nine two to nine hundred ninety nine pages are just except for and then laundry list on right um and it's ridiculous. It's just a way to empower your friends when you're in government to keep you in government. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's all deal making, you know, and that disproportionately is going to benefit groups of people, larger corporations, you know. Well, sure. Yeah. And, and I have an issue with that. Like, yeah. And that's also I think everybody should have an issue with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've always disagreed with. I think income tax is just a really stupid place to tax for your money because anywhere you place a tax is going to create a disincentive. Right. I'm going to guess that the logic there is that, okay, but you can't, you can't actually disincentivize people from making money, right? Because they're always going to try to make more. Right. So let's attach our income to that. Okay. But now you're, but you're also only talking about people who are employed right so literally not these people they're retired right they're retired literally not children you know you know the two groups that are needing this help the most so Mm -hmm. maybe that makes some sense but your income says little about your spending habits i would much much rather have a flat tax on expenditure because i i have to make money right Mm -hmm. and I would much, much rather be able to have the financial freedom to pool it 
well this gets into like progressive versus regressive taxing and things like that and again this True. is not a finance show or anything like that we need to have there's, a guest there's but... there's a whole conversation to be had about yeah how how different forms of taxes affect people differently yeah i do think at some point it might be worthwhile to have someone who's a little bit more economically you know literate than us not saying that we aren't economically literate but like someone who maybe it's their bread and butter thing who mm -hmm. can give financial advice and talk to them about it because it'd be very interesting sure so for this case we're still dealing with a situation in which a social contract was set out roughly about the time ago that the first people who've been paying into this system their whole lives are about to start taking money out so the the checks coming due for this system that was created mm -hmm. and then it's coming at a bad time for the government because money's tight man um how do we weasel out of it is what it seems right. like to me yeah yeah how do, how do we go back on the deal and i i think let's <clears throat> it, this is the 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 original hypothetical i proposed before the show that we talk about i i i, I gave the 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 setup but i think a, a, a clearer example would be social security oh yeah um i think you and i both agreed social security is a bad idea it's a joke um I mean, yeah, we could we could go into the into the 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 specifics of why it resembles a Ponzi scheme. You mean is a Ponzi scheme? But go on. What's the difference um, between resembling and being um, really in this particular case? Yeah. So <clears throat> anyway, suppose we in society agree. Suppose most people agree. Social Security, bad idea. We can't do this anymore. We're going to cancel the Social Security program. Okay. But what about all the people who have paid in to Social Security because they were implicitly part of the social contract of Social Security and were told their entire lives, their, or at least their careers, that they were putting money into this thing and they're going to get paid back out, right? Well, now we, society, have slapped them in the face and said, we're breaking our promise. You're not getting any of that, actually. We're just going to spend it on other stuff. Well, that's probably not the right way to do it either. Well, maybe. Who wanted it in the first place? Who voted for the people who put them in power to do it in the first place? What do you mean? I mean, the generations who have been putting into Social Security this whole time, mm -hmm. and maybe this is a problem with democracy. You don't vote as an individual. You vote as a block, mm -hmm. right? And you're stuck with the consequences of your particular block of that election, right? Mm-hmm. You know, on on the one half of it, I'm I would more than I would be more than happy to live under a social contract where I will pay a portion of what needs to be paid to make this right and settle it. Um, to knowingly not going to benefit from it if that means we never do this stupid idea again. To me, it's worth it. Right. <clears throat> it's because that's also kind of a thing is that each generation kind of gets stuck holding the bag of the previous. Right. right. That's why it's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Well, I didn't even mean in the realm of Social Security. Oh. That's just kind of how it is, especially in a democracy. Um, is that, but that is also how Social Security works. It's, yeah. yeah. Social Security the is people a working today are paying for the retirement of the people who worked yesterday. Correct. <clears throat> um. But I think that one of the better ways to do it is to change where the money's. Fortunately, there's a massive federal budget. Why can that money not come from somewhere else? Mm -hmm. 
you know, and that's, I think, I think if you lay the problem at the feet of the people who would be faced with footing the bill for something they're never going to benefit from, they would be more incentivized perhaps to come up with a creative way to do that. And we can do that with our vote. Hey, why don't we put people in power that stop spending money on things that we don't want anyway? And use that to finish paying for social security until all the social security beneficiaries finally die. Correct. And it's over. And that's asking a lot of a generation of people to do mm -hmm. because the, I mean, that's still all that money that we're not directly benefiting from. Right. Like it's still coming out of our taxes anyway, even if there's not a special social security tax. Sure. But can you make the argument that we were benefiting directly from it in the first place, depending on the thing, right? Like, well, good example we can all agree that having a military that protects the country is a good idea. Mm -hmm. To what extent though, does the first dollar versus the 13th trillion dollar, mm -hmm. they don't equally benefit me. And right, there's diminishing returns in like everything else in life. There's diminishing returns. So maybe we find a better place on the diminishing return arc to say, let's go back. To yeah. Here. Maybe we only spend $12 trillion on the, on the military or whatever. I don't know. I don't have the figures in front of me and it doesn't matter, but right. Um, and we don't have to do it in one generation either. That's another thing. But, and I think that is the tendency is to kick the can because that's literally how we got social security in the first place is we can't afford this right now. Lol. It fine. We'll pay for it now though on the tax proceeds we will get in the future from social security. Well, yeah, we're just going to borrow against the future. Yeah. Which we've always done. Mm -hmm. And you know, that as a concept is a weird one too, because there's a weird incentive that comes with borrowing from the future. And that is that the future must be bigger and it must have more and must be better. You know, it's right. And so it does create a driver for those things as well, because anyone... But that's also unsustainable. It is. Infinite growth is not possible. It is not possible. You're right. And I think that's kind of part of the problem as well, is that we, like, we as members of the American experiment need to probably start paying attention to, like, other countries in the past that thought that infinite growth was possible and what happened to them you know the roman empire for example looking at you the roman empire yeah they rome was expansionist because they built their society to have to be it had to expand because they were borrowing from the future they it had to keep going there had to be more military conquest there has to be more coming in to support the growth of the the core nation and it was done through extraction you know um the British Empire is the same way. The British Empire still to this day is benefiting from having, practically speaking, raped India for a lot that it is worth. Mm -hmm. And I totally get Indian sentiment about being pissed at the Brits over it. Oh, yeah. Um, because they are still set back from that and are still being set back from that by even just being members of the Commonwealth, you know? There's still English banks that are all tied up in the modern country's finances. And they're still extracting wealth from them just differently, you know. Um, 
But what ha- and this is kind of a different thought. I don't know if we want to go that deep into it, but but what happens when there is no more little brothers to pick on, mm-hmm. right? You know, every every country that's ever grown to the power of to to the level of what you might consider to be a global power at its time, right, has done it on the backs of others. Mm-hmm. But what happens when everyone's reached the top of the tech tree? Because you and I have discussed how technological advancement is not linear. No. It, you know, we kind of level off the, the, the ROI on that eventually starts to peel out as we approach the level, the, you know, the limitations of physics where it's like, well, yeah, it'd be great if we had superconductors because the conductiveness of wires we have right now, you know, if they could be more efficient, yeah. that'd be great. But, but there's just a finite, there's a finite number of things that can be. Yeah. Right. So eventually unlocking the most efficient wire technology is going to happen for everyone where everyone's on the same playing field with that. Everyone will eventually unlock nuclear weapons. Yeah. We will. Yeah. We'll converge on all these things. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of a fool's errand to think that, well, yeah, we need to prevent other countries from getting nukes. It's like, man, physics is the same there though. Yeah. And science is the same there. They can figure it out. Yeah. If we figured it out in the forties, they can figure it out today. Yep. If they put enough resources into it to find out. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. And especially once you know it's possible, Right, yeah, we do know it's possible. We've done it. Yeah. Yeah. So now that everyone else equally has now that the now that the experiments have proved that it is possible, now everyone wants to jump on. Like look at how many countries developed nuclear technology once the United States did it succeeded in doing it in World War II. Yeah, we shared nukes with other countries. But one of the best examples that we absolutely didn't share with was France cuz France because, had bones dear to pick. God. Yeah, Charles, <laughs> Charles de Gaulle had bones that needed picking and he was ready to pick. And we were like, nah, Charles, you don't get nukes. And he was upsetty spaghetti about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe upsetty spaghetti about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry. I enjoyed that. You're welcome. Um, but they went off and just developed their own nuclear technology from scratch because they knew it was possible mm-hmm. and they knew... Oh, this they is have scientists too. Yeah, we have scientists too. We know this is not going to be a forever money pit, right? Because someone else already. Yeah, because that—that's the big risk. Of it. Like before, anyone ever made a nuclear bomb, the goal of yeah, we need to stop people from developing nuclear technology. That makes a lot more sense because we don't even know if it's possible, but we can, you know, we can stop you from from you know even looking into it or or make you waste your money or whatever. Well, fighting against scientific progress is almost always a losing battle. Yes, it anyway. is. Anyway how do we get on this but, tangent but at least, oh, but at least yeah. the, po- the point is that you yeah you could you could talk people out of it be like yeah you, you know stop you're wasting your time and money yeah. you're never going to do it it's impossible exactly but yeah but, but what as happens soon as, as soon as we drop the bomb yeah oh everyone knows confirmation oh not only drop it take pictures and send it to everybody mm-hmm. to let them know yeah by the way think it twice next time you know like who and also talk about a powerful motivator wait this upstart nation that's not that old that's been a sleeping giant for a long time now can do this and there's a whole aside here about what america could have done between 1945 and 1950 mm-hmm. or i think it was the was it 55 when I the soviets remember. figured out there was either five or ten years but where yes, there was a good period of time where the u.s and its allies were the only ones with that technology yeah well u.s period you, yeah. you could have stopped there because sure. nato wasn't even a thing yet i don't think well, yeah, but America still had allies, even if it wasn't. Yeah, allies that owed us money. Yeah, <laughs> just saying, like, sure, whatever. Well, but imagine you had a tyrannical leader in the U.S. Mm-hmm. right after the war. It wasn't Truman, you know. It was someone else. 
dude, like, <laughs> America could have just said, we're going to redraw the world map because we decided, and here's the stick. Like, imagine Teddy <laughs> having been the president after. Yeah, biggest stick diplomacy. Yeah, Mr. Speak very softly with an atomic stick, you know, mm -hmm. like, holy, holy crap. Like, um, but that's, but still, that's been the paradigm forever, but there is going to come a time when there is no little brother to pick on that you just can't do that. And so you can't rely on infinite growth coming, especially from outside your borders, which has been the traditional way you as a country would do that. Right. You know? Um, so yeah, I think at some point, and this might be one of the next, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and call this out as a, like my prediction, but I think that if you look at, like kind of thoughts about the world throughout time. Like if you look at the enlightenment and what was the thing, it was how do we end the monarch, the monarchy? How, how do we start looking at the world as looking at people as people and it's people and social contracts. And there's a big change in the way we view leadership, you know, um, up to democracy and, you know, all that enlightenment thinking went forward through that. There's also going to think come a movement in time when we can't, just be looking for infinite growth like there there's gonna have to be like maybe a philosophical movement around being content mm -hmm. and deliberate as opposed to just borrowing off the back of the future because especially now the future is more uncertain than ever because of what we can do to that future mm -hmm. in the negative way right um and that would be very interesting to think about as a whole which is how are we going to change going forward? And I don't think that looking backwards and saying that, well, first we need to write all the wrong. Nah, no, I'm sorry. Chips fell where they lay. Like, I think at some point it's... you have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. My favorite place to draw the line is everyone who's dead doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, that's exactly. And then the moment you do die, you stop mattering, which is right. kind of how it is right now. Anyway. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. There's, there's nothing we can do to make it right to you. You're dead. So that being said, looking back on the whole social contract thing we were talking about with, you know, social security, how does the same rule apply? Because there are people getting paid social security benefits on the back of someone who's dead right now. That's mm -hmm. a thing. Yep. So maybe that's one way you start, which is you draw the line and say, okay, any, anyone who's dead, their social security accounts are just closed and the money goes back in the pool to be redistributed to pay off everyone else. Which is how it works, by the way. Yeah. Because um, your social security account is not a real account that has money sitting in it. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that if you, I think you need to lay the problem at the feet of the people who are the best poised to solve it, and that is the the current people, the the current generation of people paying in. And you just have to take off the table that you're going to benefit. So now we're not going to benefit. How do we then? settle this amount of money up mm -hmm. and then we then let the politicians argue about it but i don't and but i don't know that you can take that option off the table and then let the our politicians argue about it because there's always going to be a politician saying that it's not fair that we have to pay for this and you know what they're right but it's too late but it's too late we set but we set up the the people who are who, people who are benefiting we set them up yes it is more unfair to take them 
right to say, just kidding, this thing that you were depending on in your retirement, we're going to just take that away from you. Yeah. So. Even though we, society TM, promised. Yeah. Well, and I think also there's a bigger lesson here, which is how much should the government be making these deals? Like, on the one hand, I think we would all love for the government to do exactly what it said it was going to do at the time it made the deal with me. Mm -hmm. Like, ideally, and for the sake of, you know, the stability of the nation, we have to be able to trust the social contracts as given. Now, I say that, we don't. But in a world where we don't, all the things you want to achieve by these things become meaningless. Right, because you can't trust anything now, yeah. Yeah, what's the point in even creating a 401k plan? Everyone's going to look at that and go, yeah, okay, sure. We'll see how that looks in 30 years. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to go with a, you know, a private option. But then that leaves, that moves the battleground. Now the federal government has to go after private arrangements. And we've kind of seen that too. Good example. Bailouts. Mm -hmm. What happens when your bank that tells you, not nah, dog, I got your money, it's fine. Doesn't actually have your money and it's not fine. And it's gone. <laughs> you know. Oops, sorry. Like, you know. Well. But but it's my money. Eh, well. It's gone. Yeah. Sorry. It was real advantageous for the government to come in at that point in time and bail people out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I don't know, like, I, I feel like you need to be able to trust it. And just like anything else in life, I, I personally do not make a lot of promises, not because I'm incapable, but because I want to be a hundred percent sure that I can keep a promise. It's one thing to say what you're going to do and be like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. At, I'll be there at nine. And then 9.30 rolls around and you're there. But but the words I promise need to matter, right? And I think we yeah. all know somebody who's like that. I think we've all had at least one person in our life that consistently says, says I promise to everything. Like, yeah, 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 I promise, I promise. This is also usually the guy asking to borrow money from you, but oh, go yeah. on. Yeah, I'll pay you back, dude, I promise. I promise I'll get it to you by Friday. I promise. The more someone says I promise, the less I value and the less I speculate the value of that phrase for them, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's because they disappoint. And disappointments rack up and take a long time to win to earn back, trust-wise, you know? Like, I won't lend money to people who told me they'd pay it back and then don't for yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, my, my policy and the advice I give to everyone is just don't lend money that you need back. Mm -hmm. Assume it is a gift and be happy if it comes back. Sure, I do that. But I also will not give gifts <laughs> to people who don't pay them back. Like, I have a very rigid credit system, you know, like, <laughs> Yeah, I'll lend you money if I can afford to lose it. And if you've always paid me back. The time you don't right. pay me if back. If there's any outstanding amount, then no. Yeah, exactly. And there's like some number of years before that falls off and I'm willing to like maybe let you try again. Mm -hmm. It's arbitrary though. Depends on how much I like you, yeah. I guess. It feels. So I guess what's the question beyond this? Like, are we really going to try to figure out like, how do we pay this back? Or like, is there more to this question about, you know, cause I think the government should stop making f promises. Sorry. I know we try not to swear on this. 
I just get real mad about it. Like, I just don't think they should be making promises. I just don't think they should be making promises. Like, and if you don't, I mean, yeah, fair enough. Well, I mean, yeah, I've, that that could have been a whole topic on its own. Campaign promises, but I, I mean, it's not just campaign promises. It's all government promises. But what is a government promise if it's not? Like, yeah. And if and if you suck at keeping your promises, at least put a time span on them. We're gonna set this signed into law will be the law for forty years, so that anyone who's in the process, like on the day it's written, is like, okay, I'll probably be dead in 40 years. Sure thing, sign me up. But towards the end, it's like, hmm, this may not be renewed in five years. I don't know if I want to pay into this. Now, I know that kind of defeats the purpose of Ponzi schemes, but good. Right. We don't want government-backed Ponzi schemes. We don't. And then, and then But at least you can then make the informed risk and know that there's an off-ramp Instead of there being an always off ramp, right? Where the government could just rug you at any moment, you know, mm-hmm. because that, that would be terrifying. And I think we have to be able to like, well, it's just like anything else. Like if, if I commit a crime and I get found guilty, they, they have no problem not going back on that promise, you know, like that's an easy one for them to give, but I don't know. I, I just think that's really the skinny of it. And that's one of the benefits to having a, government that's less capable and less responsible for certain things is you just, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to keep worry about keeping that promise. You know, um, it's not your realm. Yeah. I, I just think that's really where it's at. And, you know, I think that democracies maybe be, might be set up to be a little bit less worrisome than like a King would be in that social contract promise where the King straight up crosses his heart, hopes to die promises. He's not going to do something because it's just the mind of a single man. But democracies over time are just about as fickle. Mm-hmm. They Their attitude about things can Public change. Public opinions change. Oh, yeah. And if the will of the people is always right, well, how much faith do you have in the people? You know? and Well, and how much faith do you have in the people today to keep the promises of the people who are now dead, who made the promise? Right. Yeah. You know, and I think... when it, And it's... And it's kind of funny to watch people come out hard against things like a good example, student loan debt forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a social contract. There's a social contract where it's the other way around. Yes. Hmm. Well, we promise we'll pay this money back if we get an education. Just kidding. Lol, I don't want to, though. We have no problem holding you to that. Like, there are a lot of people out there. Because the number, the percentage of people with student loan debt and who vote, that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. And the people who vote and don't have student loan debt, it just hasn't worked out yet. But I really wonder what is more and more people go into student debt. Well, eventually they will hit critical mass where there are enough people with student debt who vote to give themselves a payday. Essentially. Yeah. So like if you're remember all that money that I owe you, I just don't yeah we decided (laughs) we decided that we don't owe it yeah and we're just gonna take that from all the people who didn't take out loans yeah yeah and if you really want to talk about the way rome collapsed that's also part of it when the people realize they can just vote to give themselves things Mm -hmm. even if it makes no sense on paper that doesn't matter doesn't matter we decided it's law now it's a law now yeah and people with guns will make sure it happens right it doesn't make sense on paper but it is on paper now so we're <laughs> so we're doing it hence why <laughs> i'm not even bothering to pay back my student loan debt i'm a what are you gonna do 
first of all. B, either eventually I'll die and good luck collecting off of my poor corpse. Um, that's a whole other thing. You know, that's actually an interesting thing to think about. What's to keep... Well, yeah, debt. Yeah, debt when you die. What happens to it? You know, used to, it would just follow you down the family tree. And debtor's prisons were a thing, which is Mm -hmm. a hilariously awful concept. Ah, you owe money. Let's take you away from a place... Yeah, let's remove you from the economy, so now you can't make money to pay back your debts. Or even worse, we're going to fix the amount of money that you can make to pay back that debt to be insanely low and put you to work in like a labor colony yeah that's fair that's fair but i was a doctor i could have easily been paying this back 10 times faster mm, well you should have should have yeah yep <laughs> back to the spice mines with you like mm-hmm. ugh. but yeah debt what are the social contracts around debt because obviously one of them is that you're going to pay this back but like well that's not really a social contract that's just, just a, contract. a straight up contract yeah but i guess what is the is is how we treat debt after death a social contract or do like a or like what you're even allowed to do like for example if i was 99 years old and i got a bank to lend me a million dollars and i just blew it on like hookers and blow like right and you croak next week as you overdosed or I'm, whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> on blow yeah <laughs> um what are you gonna do like Arguably, it was on the bank for lending that deal in right, the first place. Right, it was the place. bank's stupid decision to give you such a huge loan when you're in such a liability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it happens. <laughs> like, it does happen. Yeah, I guess you just write it off as the bank and say, well, it comes out of our pocket for making the bad deal, I guess. And that's how it should work. That's how it should work, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, yeah, it should be the bank execs and whoever was responsible for that decision to bear the consequences. Now, does that still pan out if I had put money in that bank and that was enough to make the bank go bankrupt? I mean, yeah, so... Hmm. I, I, think, I think that's a different topic of, of, yeah, how do we... How should banks be? And I think... So one 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 detail that I was gonna I was gonna call out earlier, but I wasn't sure we were gonna come back to it. Um about like governments bailing out banks. The government can do that, but like the FDIC is an insurance program, right? So the banks are paying into it and it's the banks that are bailing each other out, usually. Usually. It the FDIC says that it is backed by the, you know, full faith and support or whatever of the United States government, however they phrase that. Um yeah, what does it say? I'm curious. I'm it's something it like that. But, at it. but usually, although the government gets involved, it's usually, it's not, just, oh, this bank went went under, so it's just going to come out of the tax budget now. Like, no, it's the other other banks who are part of the FDIC foot the bill, and the banks keep one another in line. Yeah. So but, the- but if all, like, th- yeah, the reason that it's backed by the government is, like, if something terrible happened and the entire banking sector went under, then what's going to happen? When the banks can't hold each other up anymore, then the government gets involved because we, as society, decided that we can't let the banks go under. Hmm. 
I'm pretty sure that's how it works anyway. Well, it says here, the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, mm -hmm. is an independent agency created by Congress to maintain stability and public confidence in the nation's financial system. To accomplish this mission, the FDIC insures deposits, examines and supervises financial institutions for safety, soundness, and consumer protection. Makes a large, complex financial institution resolvable financial institutions resolvable and manages receiverships whatever that means well and and when you scroll down on their website it's got the history segment and then like a bunch of things that they do like because of course no government agency ever just does one job mm -hmm. that would be that would make way too much sense um yeah they do like strategic planning financial reports about the state of the economy you know the economy the one economy mm -hmm. all of it together um and have initiative what the heck is an ombudsman o-m-b-u-d okay i have also heard this word it's what is the office of the uh, this is a tangent and i'm taking it because i'm, this I'm is interested fine. what is the office of the ombudsman the fdsc often of the ombudsman is a confidential neutral and independent source of information and assistance to anyone affected by the fdic and its regulatory result resolution receivership or asset disposition activities every time i hear that word i definitely think of like the witch doctor like <laughs> it's kind of starting to see what it sounds like it's a confidential neutral independent source of information and assistance right. the wise man yeah yeah we will um the it's oracle a, really it, and it reads we will maintain constituent communication as confidential unless given permission by the constituent to waive confidentiality or accept as required by law if you have a problem or complaint with the fdic that it is not involved in litigation arbitration or mediation you may contact the office of the ombudsman for confidential assistance our our office will work with other fdic divisions and offices as a liaison to resolve your issue it may also you may also contact us with questions about the policies and procedures and we will refer you to a subject matter expert so it's literally just like it, it literally is just like an interface mm -hmm. department but it's an office in virginia right. that just interfaces the people with the, the office FDIC. yeah yep great and confidentially speaking acts of behalf, uh, government agencies that do way more than they were originally set out to do another fun fact before we get back to the topic social security no. uh the secret service Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> What's the Secret Service for? Secret it's things. not for protecting the president, by the way. Although they do that now. And other government officials, too. Well, let's see. According to the, the, the interwebs, the USSS, yes. of course, love our acronyms. The USSS, if you will. Yeah, not, not the airport, for the record. Okay. Um, thanks. <laughs> is a federal law enforcement agency under the Department of Homeland Security and is charged with conducting criminal investigations and protecting U.S. political leaders, their families, and visiting heads of state or government. Until 2003, the Secret Service was a part of the Department of the Treasury. Yes, this is getting back to their roots. As the agency was founded in 1865 to combat the then widespread counterfeiting of U.S. currency. Yep, what? that is the purpose of the Secret Service. The Secret Service was established to prevent counterfeiting money. Wow. And they still do that, by the way. Wow. They are still like the government, the, the federal agency in charge of dealing with counterfeiting. God, what a, sounds like they're the <laughs> secret police. It says here, dual objective. Yeah. Oh, wow. This so, is insane. Anyway, yeah, there's your, there's your fun U.S. federal government fact of the day. <laughs> So, returning to the topic, 
well uh, no one more thing not returning to the topic at the time of they were created one third of all currency in circulation was counterfeit that's why they were founded in 1865 which that timing makes a little bit of sense yes and it also that timing makes a little bit of sense as to why they maybe got that other mission because the lincoln (laughs) oh yeah yeah well but actually no they didn't get that mission until the 20th century it was like the early 1900s i think when they when they finally were reassigned to start protecting government officials yeah like remember 40 years ago when our president was killed yeah maybe we should stop that from happening (laughs) well ironically it was after the assassination of mckinley in 1901 there we go so So it was the other assassination after they were founded that got them to like okay this is just going to be a thing we have to worry about now yeah it wasn't just a one-off thing 40 years ago (laughs) oh my god that's insane wow stupid (sighs) (laughs) okay i feel defeated (laughs) defeated i do because it's in reading this it was essentially the reason they were even created in the first was to to go after that problem was that federal marshals who were already a thing didn't cooperate well in their districts so they needed a federal they needed the federal federal agency to take over regional federal agencies yeah even more federal, fed, fed, the yeah. federales, yeah. God. So, anyway, do we have do we have a conclusion that we were trying to get to? I think so. I I think it. I think that we kind of do. I not to the specifics of questions around some of these things necessarily, because in reality, it's going to get resolved the way everything else gets resolved. Most likely, a can's going to get kicked somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we who have the power to dissolve how this can get fixed have every ability. Like, there are kind of no rails on what we can do except for, like, quite literally the Constitution. We can just decide that we're not going to pay it. Mm -hmm. Sucks to suck. Shouldn't have paid in. Shouldn't have trusted it. And then we would be at the mercy of future generations to do the exact same thing to us. And so we'd better not be putting our eggs in the same basket that we just knocked out of someone else's hand. Mm-hmm. We could pass the buck and be like, well, and this is, I think, the thing that you run into is you're passing the buck to someone else who's going to have the same ability, maybe, unless you go real hard and then make it really hard for them not to do what you're going to do to the last generation mm-hmm. to you. And like that is going all the way to the Constitution and saying, right, amend the Constitution, saying we're not doing this again. We've yeah. amended it for dumber things. That's true. Um, and it's about that time again. We go. We are bursts, overdue for an amendment. Yeah. Yeah. We go bursts of time without doing any, and then all of a sudden, it just seems like the great way to solve any problem. And then we just do that three or four times, and then we we stop for a while again. Um, but yeah, we could literally just ride into the thing that hey, um, the government does not have to pay back money that it said it was going to pay back so because we said so mm-hmm. now i don't know how that would f- and and nothing no one could do literally anything about it at that point um but yeah i think that's 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 the thing is you, you're in like a weird relationship where we as the people are making the promises in our legislation being represented by others that 
we are holding to ourselves at a different point in time. So it's like, it's like how in January you swear that you're going to start working out every day and you get that gym membership, but you're not the same person four months later that hasn't gone to the gym in a month and you keep seeing, and you see the charge come through on your account. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you really want to go ahead and just not pay it? Or are you going to go and pay it and then just go ahead and close the membership because you gave up? But the difference is, is that both of you can currently live like mm -hmm. one of you is going to the gym and benefiting from that. But you, the other version of you is not. And I think that's just weird. Um, and I think that honestly, the biggest way you avoid this is back to what I said. Don't make promises you can't keep. And then don't try to keep promises that are not really within your realm of possibility to keep. I think massive failures like that of social security, you know, um, and any other entitlement program really to actually have and be effective at what they set out to do should probably be a warning to not do that. But how do you write a lot? Like if you wanted to do like the long, long-term fix, how do you fix that? Like you could write a constitutional amendment that says the U S government will not and cannot disperse money to individuals or agencies it, or disperse money to individuals directly or indirectly through any agency. You could write that amendment and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, all of these entitlement programs just vanish and become unconstitutional. Right. And you can never do that again, which I think might be something that's on the table. We need to stop ourselves from doing something really stupid unless we're really, really 75% of us sure, which we, we rarely get, you know, mm -hmm on the same page enough to do that, you know, and it's going to be painful, you know, and I think this is the painful thing. It's like getting off of a drug, right? It's, it kind of be like that, you know, if they set up a plan and we build our, and you build your life around it and you get hooked on it, when someone just rips it away like that, it's hard. And, uh, it disproportionately affects people and has a negative impact on the economy, which we see every time the government does anything, it, it, it negatively impacts the economy for a little while. And then loves to claim when the economy recovers from that, that it actually did the recovery, even though it usually just, the, the economy is just pretty resilient because it's as manipulated as it is, it's still very free, you mm -hmm. know? So I don't know. Um, and that I think would go a long way to making the social contracts meaningful because we talk a lot about like, like how valuable, like I think the only, the only conversation similar to this one that you see is around countries and their currency and their credit rating on that country's currency, which is in a nutshell, if you have an American dollar, can you get something for that American dollar somewhere? Or if you have money, it's owed to you, will you get it? And the US government has done an amazing job of shuffling money to make that happen as much as possible. Or that the currency is not going to get devalued too much. And there's a lot of power in that. Um, and that might even be one of the ways that the U.S. government ends up accidentally becoming the, you know, it'll, it'll pull a Great Britain, you know, and kind of, well, how do we, if we're not the hegemony of the military hegemony, maybe we can be the currency hegemony of the world. And I know that Europe tried to do that, but no one's adopting the euro outside of Europe, mm -hmm. but the U S dollar is, is 
I mean, it's reasonably been adopted in South America. It's just like the currency of a country, you know, there's no reason why that can't happen elsewhere. You know, um, I don't know. I, I just feel like I don't like social contracts. I, I, I'm tempted more and more to just not want to sign ones with governments anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and it does suck because you absolutely can be advantaged by taking them. Like it's kind of a, you know, like you and I, I'm sure both have 401ks. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's too doxing to say because most people do. Yeah, most people these days do, yeah. Because it's a, it, it's like, it just makes sense on paper to do. Like it is a way to get more, to get paid more money. Right, yeah. I have an, an employer match. I just get, I get free to me extra money from my employer for putting money into my retirement. Sure, of course I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah, and over the course of your lifetime, more value from that money is going to be ending up in your life in a positive way instead of getting siphoned off to the government. Right. So far. If they keep their promise, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, um, if the IRS keeps its promise, yeah. <clears throat> or, well, if Congress keeps the promise on behalf of the IRS, I guess. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's a tough question. I feel like you know, I'm still kind of waffling around on it. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing is that you can't screw the people who ate from the poisonous tree back in the day because it wasn't poisonous necessarily. And the situation we found ourselves in that's got that economist saying that we should probably do this for financial reasons is it, it shouldn't matter. Like it doesn't say in the, the, the verbiage in the 401k, I don't even need to read it for it to say that, yeah, we will guarantee you this money, except lol, if we can't like, you know, afford it maybe because we printed a bunch of money and got ourselves in, under hot water. It's like not my problem, you know, just like how it's the bank. It's not my problem. Like you owe me money, mm -hmm. figure it out. And that's a different debate. That, that's a different question, which is, you know, what happened when you can't be made whole? Yeah. What do you do? You know, and I think we may have touched on that a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about justice systems. Like what, yeah. what happens when you can't be made whole? How do we cover for that? You know? Um, Cause I think we all agree that if you're in that situation where you're the one needing to be made whole, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't care if someone sits in a jail cell, like as much as I would love to see the, the leadership of these big banks that lent all this money and then weren't able to pay out instead of getting a bailout, I would have loved to see some jail sentences you know, or just let the mob take them, mm -hmm. you know, because people need to re be reminded of why you don't do that, you know. Um, but that doesn't make people whole, though. Like, yeah, a mob of people could have stormed into that CEO's office and drug him into the street and tarred and feathered him, but your bank account's still empty. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Um, what about you? Do, you? do you have any thoughts about it as far as, like, maybe what we can do about it or... Should should social contracts like this even be a thing? Should we avoid them entirely? Like, well, I mean, I think I think these type, well, especially as it relates to like retirement accounts and things like that, I think that these are problems that exist because of the already flawed system we exist in, you know, with income taxes and things like that. Um, I think I think that yeah, a lot a lot of the problems that social contracts like these try to solve are created by government intervention in the first place. Yeah. So. Now, as for what to to do about it, yeah, I don't know. I think it it's different for every case, right? Um, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I, I, I generally agree with your your principle of make fewer promises. Um, 
and then I think just the, the, the other thing, which, which is what I had mentioned from the, from the very beginning is, is keep in mind the promises that you have made and keep them to the best of your ability, but stop making new ones. Yeah. I think it's fair. Well, you dear listener, if you have the answer to all the problems, or if you're a financial expert, or if you can find the social contract that I signed, let us know. Let us know. (laughs) Philosophers. Philosophers. If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description, or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.